0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another Revolution Recap Podcast. Joining me today is Brian O'Connell and Greg Johnstone, both from New England Soccer Today. has been an interesting few weeks for the Revolution with the announcement of some roster moves. And obviously, lots of interesting stuff going on in the MLS playoffs. We'll start off with the Revolution roster and, and what's happened there and then get into the expansion draft and, and our thoughts on on who this team should protect. Um, so let, let's get going with, with the roster moves for 2017. Um, a few players whose options were not exercised, that being Jordan McCrary and Steve Newman, uh, and then Darius Barnes, Jose Gonsalves, Daigo Kobayashi, and Gershon Kofi, all out of contract going into 2017. Everyone else on the roster either had options picked up or they were already under contract for for 2017. Uh, Some big names, though, on the out-of-contract list with Gonsalves, Kobayashi, Gershon Kofi, and to a lesser extent, Darius Barnes, all playing uh, decent-sized roles for this team last year. Uh, Brian, what are your thoughts on on those players being out-of-contract and who do you think we're actually see back out of those guys on this team this year?
1: Well, I think they're going to make a push to bring back Kobayashi because he was so so valuable, um, you know, as far as uh, as far as uh, uh, you know, depth goes in the midfield and, and valuable. I mean, he was he was. I would say that he was probably one of the most unheralded players that the team had. Not just earlier this year. Obviously, we all remember the goal, the uh, the heading goal he scored in the opener versus Houston. Um, but also last year, like I felt like before at the beginning of the season, before he got hurt, I thought he did. I thought he was pretty much one of their most valuable players. Um, with uh, Jermaine Jones going, and granted he's not the youngest player, um, but if you can bring him back at a at a budget friendly, at a cap friendly number, I think I think it would make sense to bring him back. Now, as far as Gonzalez and Barnes, um, I think Gonsalves is as good as going. I think he'll I think he'll go he'll go back overseas, and um, and I don't know as valuable as Jarius Barnes has been, you know, quality solid player. Um, I think that uh, you know I think the, given the the the, the lack of playing time he's gotten this year this past year kind of indicates that you know maybe the 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 team's ready to kind of part ways with him um so i think i think of those players i think um i think kobe should be back i think they'll make a push to bring back kofi but i don't i don't see him coming back um unless he's changed his stance as far as playing overseas next year
2: yeah and I agree with everything Brian said. I think Diego is going to be a—he's he, a good option off the bench. I think that's a reasonable contract. Um, He's—he might actually come back at a lower um, salary next year just because he is in his on the older side. Um, I mean, I, I think if the reps could bring him back for about a hundred thousand, I think that's a really great signing. Um, in terms of the other players too, um, I'm not sure if Kofi really kind of fits in with Kawasi joining the team next year. Um, And at a quarter of a million dollars, I mean, that's a huge chunk of change, especially for a team like the Rebs. Um, So I I agree with everything Brian said. Uh, The one thing I'll add is that I know we kind of talked about Jordan McCrary last time on the podcast, and we were making fun of that pick. Uh, I'm really surprised that um, they didn't uh, uh, extend his option another year. Um, I mean, those salaries are not very much. It would be about 63000 65000 in salary. Um, for a guy you spent a top-ten pick on, I'm really surprised they didn't just give it another year and see if maybe he could recoup some value and instead of just uh,
0: letting him walk. Yeah, and that, that brings up an interesting point because you look at um, both McCrary and Newman were, were early picks uh, in, in the two drafts they were drafted in. Um, and this is a team that in the past has had a lot of success in the Super Draft. You know, McCrary, a 10th, 10th overall pick in 2016. I believe Norman was, was Newman fourth overall in, in yeah. uh, 2014. Yep. Yeah. So it's, it's shocking, um, to see these two guys be given up on so soon. Uh, to, to me, Newman and his rookie season showed a lot of promise and then we haven't really seen any growth since then. Uh, and McCrary obviously was a guy that they had, you know, high, high hopes for at that right back spot. Um, at the time it looked like we, like we talked about, uh, in the last podcast, it looked like Farrell was going to be the center back, and McCrary could have had a chance to start. Um, but are, are you surprised, Brian, to see these two players given up on so soon, particularly with their you know, fairly friendly contracts uh, for the team, and also, um, with the and, and McCrary's case, with the lack of defensive depth on this team?
1: Um, I'll say McCrary, I'm surprised. Newman, I'm not so surprised. And for the same reasons that you guys had pointed out about McCrary, I mean... Given, I mean, he had he had a really budget-friendly number, and you know, to cut their loss, I mean, to basically let him go after one year, given the uh, amount of defensive struggles they endured last year, it was kind of surprising. I mean, um, you know, I mean, it kind of points to the idea that they've just kind of given up on him. And I mean, usually they'll keep guys, they'll keep guys whether they're drafted, um, especially first rounders, they'll keep them for you know more than a year just to see just to see how how it all works out. Um, but I'm kind of surprised that they just kind of let him go, um, knowing that. I mean, granted, he didn't have like the upside of a guy like Hegan Roos- Rosenberry, um, obviously a, phen- a phenomenal rookie last year, and um, you know, they they probably were looking at him as well, given his ties to Georgetown and 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 and, and, to, and to guys like Newman and, and Tyler Rudy. Um, but you know, I'm actually surprised that they that they did cut McCrary because. Um, you know usually you give guys a little bit more time than just one year and at least the playing time I mean he never really got playing time either which I guess kind of speaks to their their um, you know their their kind of evaluation their assessment of him uh, given the lack of minutes he received with the first team last year with Newman I'm not so surprised because he, it seems like he's regressed every year since that rookie year since 2014 I think 2014 he showed I mean his rookie year he showed he, he was a a very valuable uh, option right off the bench, and in subsequent years, he just his his uh, his impact on the team just seemed to decrease even more, more and more. So I'm actually not surprised that they let him go because you know after that first year, it's just it seems like he's his role has been reduced and diminished every uh, in the in the last two years. So um, not surprised to see him go. And you know, I think it's also it also speaks to the amount uh, to the amount of depth that they have in the midfield, where you know they really don't see a guy like him. Um, you know, getting any substantial minutes or being being uh, a valuable contributor.
0: And I do want to go back to Barnes for a minute because we we talk about the lack of defensive depth, um, and with him being out of contract, uh, it, it does seem like his his he hasn't developed into maybe the player they hoped he would when they drafted him, um, and that he hasn't been able to lock down a starting spot. Obviously, there's been in, injuries over the past few years that that haven't helped. Um, but does the lack of this team's depth help his chances of, of getting re-signed next year, even if it's you know to to play a versatile? More of a, a versatile role like he did this year where he's slotting it all across the back line?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I think with Barnes, um, I think he's a victim of his salary. Um, you know, he's getting paid $110,000. Uh, I think that's he's just not worth that money. Uh, I could definitely see them bringing him back kind of to fill a defensive depth role. But I think for what they see his role being, uh, I think he's someone that they – they could replace with someone who might be a cheaper option, um, so that that's my take of of uh, why Barnes may not come back. I think if he's unwilling to come back at a
1: lower price tag, he might not. He, he probably won't be back with the team. I think as far, yeah. I mean, just I mean, just quickly. I think with with Barnes, I think in in the time that he did have with the first team last year, I think he kind of looked out of his depth. I mean, I, I I think back to that Toronto game, and granted, they were playing against Joe Vinko, but. My, like, he just looked so – like, he did not look good at all in that game. And I know it had been a while since he had gotten a start. I think that may have been his first or second start of the, uh, of the year. But I just remember him just looking so, you know, so out of his depth in that game. And I think that may, may also kind of, kind of go in tandem with the idea of him – of the team not bringing back guys that they don't think will be valuable contributors next year. Guys like McCrary and maybe even guys like Barnes if they don't bring him back. Um, and I think maybe it suggests that this team is, in, is, in, um, is due for a, a, huge, a huge shakeup defensively.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the way the defense played last year, that would certainly make sense. Um, and another area that was a bit of a, a question mark at times last year for sure was, was in goal, which, which brings me to the, the other side of things, players whose options were exercised that may have been a bit surprising. And to me, there's, there's two names on that list that um, were a little bit surprising to me. One being Matt Turner, the, the Revolution's fourth string goalkeeper at the end of last year. Um, we, we often see a lot of changeover at, at the third string goalkeeper with the Revolution. We, we never see this team carry four goalkeepers. Um, but right now they have four goalkeepers under contract for, for 2017. Uh, I think some of them, certainly Cody Cropper probably holds some, some trade value. Um, but Brian, what's your thoughts on them bringing back Matt Turner? Do you think well? That's a, a sure sign that one of the other goalkeepers is on the way out.
1: Yeah, I I totally think it is. I think it's them. I think it's just them covering, uh, just making sure that they have enough depth. Because I, I think a move like that, a move in bringing back Matt Turner, to me suggests that either Cody Cropper or um, Bobby Turtleworth won't be won't be here next year. Um, so I think that's really all it is. I mean, because typically, like you said, we usually don't see them resign um, you know third fourth string goalkeepers. If anything what they do is they usually let they usually let their options run out and then you know by chance they, they may bring them back for their, for the preseason and see if they can you know earn and earn another contract uh, in preseason but the fact that they're bringing back Matt Turner to me speaks to the fact that speaks to the idea that um that either Cropper or Shelworth won't be here next year.
2: Yeah, it's interesting, too, because I agree with what Brian is saying, and I'm not putting it past the possibility that maybe Cropper and Shuttleworth might not be back, uh, or or Cropper and Knighton, because um, I think the last couple of years, they've gone with uh, Shuttleworth and Knighton as their two keepers, and they've had a, a, a third uh, keeper, I think Trevin Spangenberg was on the team a few years ago, um, you know. I'm not entirely sure why they kept Matt Turner, if they see him as a solid prospect. Um, but in my mind, they must, because they could just draft another goalkeeper and bring him in at the league minimum and have him as an emergency third or fourth goal, goalkeeper. So the fact that they're retaining him, I think speaks very favorably for him, that uh, maybe they think there's value there as a backup, as a second stringer. Um, but ultimately... Um, it is kind of like an opposite with the back line, where I think the Reds have realized with the defense they need to clear house and what the players they have aren't working. Um, it's kind of the opposite effect where they're almost stacking up on goalkeepers because they know that some are leaving. Uh,
0: maybe in the expansion draft, or maybe we're going to see some trades uh, following the expansion drafts. Yeah, that, that brings up an interesting point. First of all, I do want to touch on what Brian said with as far as Matt Turner. A good reminder that the Revolution do generally not re-sign these third-string goalkeepers and often bring them back to, to get a tryout. I remember seeing Tim Murray several years was was on the out-of-contract list and then get trials and, and brought back back in the day. Um, so it's an interesting change for them to, to bring Matt Turner back. And, and like Greg said, I think it does speak um, to what he must have shown this season in practice. He must have done something impressive to to, to already earn that uh, option for, for 2017. But it, it does bring up an interesting question as far as what happens Uh, with these three goalkeepers that saw stars this year and and Cody Cropper, Brad Knight, and and, and Bobby Shuttleworth, because I can't imagine all three of them are on the roster come opening day. Uh, And I think if you leave Cody Cropper unprotected in the expansion draft, there's a good chance one of these two teams takes him. And I believe it's Atlanta that's been kind of stocking up on goalkeepers, so they might not need him. But I would not be surprised at all to see Minnesota take him um, if he's left unprotected. So I do wonder if the Revolution will try to make a trade to get rid of Cody Cropper before the expansion draft, so they can get something for him. Uh, but if they don't, uh, do you see any of these goalkeepers being protected uh, in the expansion draft? I, I, I can't imagine you protect more than one, um, given who else you need to protect. What's your thoughts, Brian? Oh, I think
1: they. I think they protect Knighton. I really think that one way or another, whether Knighton's there, their backup or their starting keeper going into the next going to next season, I think. I think if anyone gets protected, I think it'll be him. I think. Um, you know, he's a guy that can, that has shown he can start, and he's also a guy that can show you he can, he'd also be a, a pretty solid backup, um, if they go out and get another, if they go out and get another keeper, or if by chance they happen to hold on to Cody Cropper, um, which could also happen. But I think one way or another, I think, I think they leave Bobby Shuttleworth unprotected. I think he's, to me, I think he's the odd man out, and I think that it may be the, the situation might be that, you know that he's he's left unprotected, or maybe you know if maybe they can get some value for him, maybe they get a, a draft pick for him. Um, but I think one way or another, I think if if they're going to protect any of those four guys, I think they protect Knighton.
2: Yeah, and I see that. Um, I agree with that. The only thing I could think of is maybe perchance that um, they protect Cropper. If they don't work out a trade for Cropper before the draft, maybe they figure they can hold him and deal him afterwards. Um, I know there's a lot of speculation with his ties to Atlanta and Minnesota. um, And then that would leave Shuttleworth and Knighton unprotected, and maybe they'll just take whichever one's left. But I I agree. I think Knighton is really good value. He's proven he could be the starter in New England. Um, I think that of those three, Knighton is the one you have to protect. And and Shuttleworth, um, the other thing, too, you have to talk about the salary. He's at about – Fifty thousand dollars. Last year's salary is about fifty thousand more than Knighton, which you, you've got a really good value in Brad Knighton and Goal. Um, so I think he's the one you keep over of those three.
0: Yeah, I, I, it's a it's a tough one because to me, I think Cody Cropper probably has the best trade value. Um, and if I'm the Revolution, I'm trying to find a way to to trade him before the expansion draft. Because I think if you don't, you're you're left with a, a very difficult situation where um, maybe you protect Cropper because of the trade value and take your risk at potentially losing uh, Brad Knighton. Um, certainly, I think Shuttleworth doesn't get protected. The, the way he played last season um, doesn't deserve it, and I don't think anyone's going to take him. Um, you know, his contract isn't that bad at 137,000, probably going to get a bit of a, an increase this year, I'd imagine, built in. Uh, but it, it's, it's a tough situation for the revolution where if they can find a way to make a trade before the expansion draft, they'll be a, a lot better off. Um, so that, that's something to, to look for going forward. Um, if they don't make a trade before the expansion draft, um, you almost wonder if they, if they leave everyone unprotected and, and take their chances, uh, just to protect the other guys because knowing they'll have at least one, you know, starting quality goalkeeper going into next season. So that'll be something to watch. The other guy that was interesting to me that got his option picked up was Donnie Smith, who we've seen be on this roster now since since 2013 and just make token appearances. Um, you know, a decent player when he sees the field. But uh, I, I don't know what his, his long-term future is here um you don't see players like that that were you know second round picks that are barely seeing the field last as long on a roster um as we've seen from him so i don't know what what your thoughts are on on that greg and and brian as well but it's it was interesting to see donnie smith picked up
2: well i can tell you i've been playing a lot of fifa 17 lately and donnie smith has a really good speed rating uh so he's very valuable in fifa 17 i can tell you that much um in all seriousness, though, I think this is just kind of a depth move. Um, I think he's going to fill in as a, a depth left back uh, in case there's any issues. Chris Tierney, and again, he kind of fills out the supplemental roster. His salary isn't that that expensive. So I think they just see this as a depth piece and another um,
1: player that fills a small need that they don't have to worry about going into the offseason. I think, I think them protecting kind of what you said, Greg, about um... – you know, back up in depth to, uh, Christianity. I mean, we've seen the last few years, Christianity, he really has had those, uh, those, in- he, he finished the season. He couldn't even, uh, play the last three games. So I think maybe it might also speak to the fact that they're not confident that, it, that Christianity can give them, you know, maybe 30 games a year. Um, and if that's the case and they, they definitely need somebody back there to, uh, to, uh, to, to, to spot start, so to speak with him, with, with, with his recent injury history, um, I mean, that being said, I, I think I, I know that I was impressed with the way he played in the, those few games during the summer, um, where he got a few he got a few starts with uh, Tammmy with Hurt. Um, I think and, and this is coming from somebody who thought he was nothing more really at one point, nothing more than a preseason, a preseason camp uh, guy, you know, a guy who basically just gave you minutes to spell the starters as they, as they regain fitness for, uh, for the season. But I think he really kind of had some nice moments this year with the first team. And uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe the uh, maybe, maybe he's maybe turned a corner a little bit on, on maybe establishing himself as a as a as a valuable contributor rather than just a guy that you sent to Rochester every other weekend to get uh, to get minutes. So um, I think it may also. I think more than anything, I think it may it, it speaks more to their concern about maybe Chris Tierney not being able to stay healthy for an entire year going forward.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good point. And we did see Tierney um, with the injury at the end of the season. Um, but he, I mean, in the past, he was a guy that didn't seem to have too many injury concerns. So, uh, that was a new development on that end. Um, but let's, let's get into who we think this team should protect in the expansion draft and, and start off by listing that Scott Caldwell and Zach Herveu are automatically protected. Um, I was actually a little bit surprised, and that, that news came from, uh, Jeff the Mew, um, several weeks ago. I was a little bit surprised that Scott Caldwell was on the automatically protected list, um, uh, because it's homegrown players on the supplemental roster. Um, and I don't know what qualifies someone for the supplemental roster, but to me, it's surprising that a guy on a second contract making, you know, over, making six figures would be on the, the supplemental roster, but just goes to the confusing MLS rules that we, that we always, uh, don't really fully understand and seem to be made up as they go along. Uh, so those two guys we don't have to worry about, but the revolution can protect, uh, 11 players. Um, we're, we've had some confusion over who are the internationals. Um, but we believe Kowalsi, Kofi, and Gonzalez are internationals, um, and we think Javon Watson is as well, although there's been some question marks uh, in the past over whether or not he was international, but we could not find any confirmation that he has a green card. So for this, we're going to work under the assumption that he is an international, and therefore the Revolution must protect three of those four players. Um, so let, let's start with that. If the Revolution has to protect three of those four guys, who are the three you're protecting? And I'll, I'll start with Greg.
2: Well, you're protecting Kawasi and Watson because uh, they're on the roster and they're going to potentially come back to your team. Um, I mean, it's kind of a pick-your-poison. I think they both Gonzalves and Kofi both want to move internationally, I would assume. Uh, I guess I'd, prote- I'd protect Kofi, but I don't think either one really has a realistic chance of coming back to the revolution or being taken in the expansion draft.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm protecting Kwasi, and I'm also going to protect Kofi, just so in that way that you know maybe if maybe in the event that you know the interest he he was looking for overseas isn't as strong as maybe it was a year ago, um, especially with his injury uh, with his recent injury history, you know if you if I would I he's still a guy that I think is valuable and a guy that um you know a guy that I think that if they can work something out with him. Even though he kind of plays the same position as Kowasi, I think either way, one way or another. I mean, given given that both players have you know battled with injuries last year, I don't think it hurts. I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world for them to to find a way to bring both of them in. Given that Kawasi's coming off ACL surgery and that he's also playing on turf this year, and that uh, and that and that um, you know bringing back Kofi um, would be you know if Kowasi can stay healthy a, a very valuable kind of backup. Or even maybe um, work them both into the both onto the field at the same time if there's a if uh, if Jay Heaps wants to kind of like tinker with the uh, tinker with the formation.
0: Yeah, so to me it seems like there's no chance that Gonzalez comes back. Uh, I mean, I know you asked him at the end of the season if he'd be back next year, and it went with, a, with a no comment. Um, <laughs> but you just, you look at his contract and he's you know making four hundred eighty thousand this past season. Uh, the way his play uh, has been the past two years, he's not worth it. So. Uh and, and to know that he wants to go overseas as well. I think if he were to stay here, he'd want more money. Um, but I think he's he's not worth more money. I think if anything he's he's worth uh less money. Um and that's not going to happen. He's not gonna come back for less money. So that's so so I just, I just can't imagine that any scenario that would see him coming back to this team. Um and and because of that, uh I, I can't see why you'd protect him. I think it's it's obvious that you protect Kowalski. Um, he's going to be a key part of this team next year if he's healthy, or, or at least if he lives up to what the Revolution want him to to be. Um, Watson, uh, you know, solid right back that, I, I don't know if they'd be interested in taking him if you left him unprotected, but based on the other options, I think you protect him. And and Kofi, if you can bring him back, um, which I don't think is going to happen, but I think there's a better chance of bringing him back than there is of bringing Gonsalves back at this point, um, I think he's certainly a guy that you, that you bring back. Um, so, uh, to, to me, it's pretty obvious that that you you bring back Kauasi, you protect Kauasi, you protect uh, Kofi, and you protect Javon Watson, um, and you know whatever happens with the Gonzalez, I don't think anyone's going to pick him up because of the same reasons we discussed. He's probably not coming back to the Revolution. Um, he, he his play just hasn't deserved, um, hasn't lived up to what his salary has been. So I, I, it's it's obvious that to me, anyways, that those are the three guys there that you protect, which leaves you with eight other players to protect, um, and. I think there's some very obvious ones. Lee Wynn, he's the guy that you protect. I don't think there's any question there. Diego Fagundes, Kai Kamara, uh, Kellen Rowe, uh, Andrew Farrell, um, Juan Aguadelo, and, and Chris Tierney. Uh, I think those are all guys that we're going to see protected. Uh, and then after that is, is where some question marks come in. Uh, I don't, I don't know where, what you, what your thoughts are, Brian, but who, who else do you think this team is gonna protect, or do you disagree with any of those guys I just listed?
1: I really don't disagree. I think those are those are kind of the core guys that um, that that you are going to protect. Um, given given where they given how given how valuable they were to to, to the team last year, and 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 given um, you know Kwasi, you know obviously them bringing him here, they're obviously not going to leave him unprotected. Um, you know, it, it's kind of you know who does that leave out? That the, the most glaring person that leaves out is Teal Bunbury because I think Teal Bunbury was a guy that if you had I think if we had this conversation at the beginning of the year, I think it would be almost a given that, you know, all of us would be in agreement that he's a guy that you protect because because of what he showed in the preseason and because of what he showed um, in previous years. But I think, you know, and I think I think Greg mentioned this on um, the last episode was that he, he really kinda disappeared in the second half of the season. I mean, after they after they went to the four four two, like he was like in no man's land. He disappeared. And I think if they're going to continue to uh, to go with a four four two for next year, um, and given the lack of a role that Teal that uh, Teal Bunbury kind of wasn't able to carve for himself in in that in that formation, um, I think it's quite a uh, it's quite an interesting development to see his value just basically bottom out at the end of uh, at the end of this past year. So so for us to be talking about guys to protect. And Teal, Bunbury not being in that conversation, I think kind of is, uh, is probably the most compelling, I guess, storyline as far as guys who they probably wouldn't protect.
0: And, and I think that leaves us with uh, 10 players based on the, the list I, I put out there. Um, so I believe you're, would your 11th end be Brad Knighton, based on what we said earlier? Yes. H- how about you, Greg? Uh, I kind of lost the
2: players. Kamara, Kawasi, Win, Aguadelo, Bunbury, Roe.
0: Uh, we Cheryl didn't have we didn't have Bunbury on the list. You didn't have Bunbury. You yep. protected Knighton over Bunbury. Yeah, Brian Brian went with Knighton over Bunbury. Yep. Okay. Uh,
2: see, here's the thing. I'm gonna I would take Bunbury. Hmm, hmm, that's actually a tough one. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Bunbury over Knighton, and the reason why is because I think Bunbury is gonna have the most trade value. So even if you don't use him as a player. I think I would keep Bunbury just because you could probably send him somewhere and get a decent asset in return. Worst case scenario, if you protect Knighton, even if Knighton is the one of those three taken, which I think Cropper would probably be taken over Knighton. um, If Knighton is taken, then you have a goalkeeping duo of Cropper and Shuttleworth, And I don't hate that. So I think in my mind, I'd rather keep Bunbury and hope for either a bounce back here or hope you can get something um, through the trade market. And just kind of roll the dice with whatever keepers you have. Um, but obviously we talked about Brad Knighton earlier and, um, why of those three, he probably provides you the most value. Um, the other thing too, I'll say, which we haven't mentioned this possibility, but if I remember correctly, the last time they had a uh, expansion draft, the revs pulled off, uh, in that pre expansion draft day window, uh, they sent two internationals to Colorado, I think um for like a third string goalkeeper and they did that to balance out the international slots so it's not totally i wouldn't be surprised if they sent the rights of kofi and gonzalves to another team and as a result they don't have to use that um
0: uh, uh protection slot on watson they could maybe protect cropper over watson And didn't we see some sort of like bizarre move that some there was some deal was made uh, when New York City FC was coming into the league that they they made some deal to keep Fagundes who wasn't protected from being picked? Yes, yes, that was both. Yeah, they paid.
2: They paid the Revs paid allocation money to both Orlando and New York City FC
0: to not pick Fagundes. So so which which, I suppose uh we could see something like that happen again. Um, And it's also worth noting that this year. The draft is only five rounds, so only ten players are going to get picked. Um, so, which means that only half the, the current teams are going to see a player lost. Um, so I wouldn't be, I mean, if the Revolution play this right, I think there's a, a very good chance that they don't lose anybody. Um, and to me, uh, Bunbury is a guy that you could see picked, and Cropper is a guy that you could see picked. Uh, I guess Knighton is as well. Those, those are the three guys that I think you can only protect one of. Um, that leave up, leave up some, some serious questions. And to me, I think there's a good chance we see the Revolution make a trade to send Cody Cropper to Minnesota before this expansion draft. Um, that's going to be my guess of what's going to happen. And if that's the case, then I think you protect Brad Knighton just to make sure you, you have him for next year. Um, if that's not the case, I think you protect Cody Cropper because I, I'm almost certain he'll get taken um, but that does leave you in the position of having a guy like Teal Bumber that you have invest, invested a lot into that's available um, and that I could certainly see be taken by one of his teams. It's just the, the past two years, his play uh, hasn't lived up to his contract and hasn't lived up to the hype and what we've seen from him in the past. Um, so I, I don't know how that's going to play out, but I think that is what it's going to come down to for the revolution is what to do with, with those three players. Um, because I think the other ten uh, assuming Watson is in fact an international, I think the other ten spots are, are pretty obvious on, on, on what this team will do. So that's, uh, to me, that's that's the key spot is that that last position there. Um, but you know, I, I don't know, but but you guys, but do you think anyone does get picked up uh, from the Revolutionist expansion draft? We, don't, we obviously don't have other teams' protective lists, but it, it's fortunate for them that there's only ten players that are going to get picked this time. Yeah, I
1: I, I personally don't think that they're going to get anyone picked unless, of course. You know they they surprise us and they leave somebody that you know that that most people would think that they would protect like a like a Patrick Mahomes from a couple of years ago. Um, you know, it's I, 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 this, this time because there's there's only ten picks to be made. I I don't think they'll lose. I, I personally don't think they'll lose anyone. Obviously, without having the benefit of seeing other teams' lists and have, having those kinds of discussions. But I honestly, you know, this was a this was a team that 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 fell short of the playoffs and really has has. on on the whole without getting into another kind of discussion really has kind of regressed since their MLS cup, their MLS cup final of 2014. So I don't think I would actually be kind of a little bit surprised if, if somebody um, were to take a flyer on, on an unprotected guy from the, uh, from the revs.
2: And I agree. I could see if Bunbury is left unprotected, I could see um, one of the two new teams taking him and, and maybe putting him into their system. Um, But and maybe Cody Cropper, if he's left unprotected, but um, as we've touched on, I, I think if he's going anywhere, I think it would be um, a trade. I think it has probably already been arranged. Um, so um, the good thing about not having depth is you don't lose anyone in the expansion draft, I guess. There's really not a whole lot that the Revs could lose. And, and uh, as I say, I mean, it's either Bunbury or a goalkeeper, and um, – as I say, maybe if the revs wanted to push Bunbury and his, his larger salary out the door, uh, I, I could see that happening. But overall, on the grand scheme of things, I'm sure there's going to be uh, 10 other players that are, are uh, going to find their way onto those rosters.
0: Yeah, the, the Revolution, I think, are in a position where even if they lose one of these guys, assuming they play it the way we think they will with, with the protection, um, I, I don't think they're in, in too bad shape um, or, or in worse shape, I should say, than they already are uh, if they lose one of those three players, um, it, it, they're they're in a position where they need some serious help next year. Uh, the positions that they should leave open are a few spaces where they actually do have depth. So I, I think that the expansion draft is not going to have a huge impact on, on what happens to the revolution going forward. Uh, but Brian mentioned how far this team has regressed since they've been to MLS Cup. And there's a lot of work for them to get back there. And we, we see two teams now coming up this weekend, an uh, MLS Cup on the 10th, a, a rare Saturday MLS Cup. Uh, on, the, on the main Fox network. Um, I, I want to get into that for a little bit. We see Seattle and Toronto FC. Um, before we talk a little bit more about those teams, what is everyone's predictions for, for MLS Cup? Um, I, I'm going to go with Toronto 3-2. How about you, Brian? I'm
1: going to say Toronto 2-1. What do
0: you got, Greg? Uh,
2: I was going to go Toronto 3-2, but I don't want to take your pick. So, <laughs> And you guys both went
0: Toronto. So uh, I'll end up going Seattle, and I'll go 2-1 in overtime. Well, Curtis Larson from uh, Toronto did did uh, put an article out today where he said you'd have to uh, you know not be paying any attention to soccer to pick Seattle to win this game. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw that, but that's <laughs> <I did. laughs> well, that was something else.
2: Call me out, yeah. <laughs> but I think everyone's rooting for Toronto. I mean, I I, I gotta say I, I think I'm uh, I think anyone who's followed the MLS and knows how
0: poor Toronto has been historically uh, is kind of pulling for Toronto this Saturday. Well, there's some interesting comparison points from, from both these teams, or what we've seen from the Revolution the past few years. Uh, in particular, to me, is what we've seen from Toronto, uh, a team that's in Alphador, Giovinco, and Bradley had a very solid core, three very very talented DPS among the best players in MLS. Uh, but then this year, what they did to improve their team was was really impressive to me, and something that I think we've we've all wanted to see out of the Revolution if they were going to be competitive. Um, with the way this team is built, you, you look at this Toronto team, and there's five guys that are, are starting for this team now that weren't part of the team last year. And they're all players that they didn't spend much to get. Uh, a guy like Clint Irwin, the, the goalkeeper, they saw the opportunity when um, you knew Tim Howard was going to go to Colorado. They went out and, and, and made a trade and brought him in. And that's been a huge move for him as he's really solidified the, their goalkeeping spot. Um, so that was something that was impressive that they did. And then they got in a guy like Drew Moore, who's now been a regular starter for them um, as, as a free agent. And they got Stephen Betashore for just a second-round pick uh, from Vancouver. And he's one of the best right-backs in, in MLS. And then Will Johnson, another guy they traded a second-round pick for um, from, from Portland, who's been a, a huge pickup for them. Um, and then they got uh, Armando Cooper midseason, and another guy who stepped right into their starting lineup. So it's, it's really impressive that... They did that, and all they did was give up two second round picks, you know, a, a third round pick for Erwin. I, I think they also had a conditional uh, first round pick. Um, but when you, when you see the revolutions we turned from, from draft picks recently, as we talked about earlier, and how they've gotten nothing from that, and then you see what Toronto was able to do in trading those draft picks, um, and how big all those five players have been uh, contributing to this team, four of them coming via trades for draft picks um, or a free agent, its it's kind of Shocking that they've been able to build such a talented team that way. Just shows what you'd like to see a team in the Revolution's position to do uh, to get better. Yeah, I, I think that. Well, first and foremost, it does help that they do
1: have the big three with uh, Michael Bradley, Joe Vinko, and Josie Alzador I mean, first and foremost, you need to have those guys. Yeah. Um, so I think the first thing that you know, any team that if Toronto's showing you anything, yet yeah, you you can have you you can go out and sign kind of like good good uh, big name free agents from overseas. Um, but at the same time, you do need to have those depth pieces, and I think you know obviously the first thing that the res would probably have to do is they would have to make they'd have to get one of the one or two of those big players and then build around them. But the thing I think the thing you you bring up that's interesting, Sean, is the, the players that they did bring in to, to kind of really strengthen and bolster the roster around those three. Um, you know, the Drew Moores, uh, the Will Johnsons, and the Stephen Bayshore's. Those all three of those guys were guys that the Revolution could have easily swung trades for as well. I mean, granted, we don't know the individual situations. I mean, we don't know, um, you know, if Will Johnston or Drew Moore or Steve Beausoleil would have come to New England. Obviously, they they can kind of, you know, they, they their agents can let the Revs know whether or not their clients are interested. But um, but to see the team, to see this team really come together because of those moves and to really position themselves as a team that's uh, an MLS Cup favorite come Saturday. Uh, is is very very interesting because those are the kinds of moves that can put a team that has talent over the top. And if you get the talent and then you put those those make those corresponding moves, I think you know you have yourself you have yourself a Toronto FC. And it all boils down to talent identification, like we had talked about in the last episode. So I think um, that's really what it is. I mean, it's really looking within the league and saying, hey, these are guys that we can get for our second round pick. Um, you know, third round pick or you know wherever, and um, and have them fit in seamlessly, and have them you know buy into what you're doing, and have them know that you know they're not going to be the guys that are going to win you the games. They 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 would have those players, but to say you're going to be part of a team that you know we believe can 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 uh, contend for a championship, if you can get those players and you can get them all on the same page, and, and get the, and, and, and kind of build around the your big three. This is what you get. You get. You get. A Toronto FC See that, you know, couldn't really, really had those three players last year and couldn't get to the playoffs. But once they got those, those, those contributors within the league, the Clint Irwins and Will Johnsons, you know, look where they are now. And and I think um, a lot can be learned from from that um, from that plan of attack when you're when you're building a roster.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with everything Brian said. I think that was well said. Uh, the one thing I wonder out loud though is. Um, it'll be interesting to see how free agency plays. We talked about Drew Moore, and I wonder, um, you know, I think bringing in Altador and Bradley, uh, and, you know, Sean, you talked about building around that. I think there's kind of an excitement of going to a team and playing with those players, um, and I wonder if, uh, if that holds the revolution back when they don't um, go after a major star player that uh, has a major impact on the field. Um, they do have Lee Wynn and Juan Aguadell and great players, but uh, I wonder if there's any—I um, don't want to say stigma attached—but um, maybe players aren't as willing to come to New England as they are to Toronto. But um, that's kind of just me thinking out loud. Uh, hopefully, you uh, or, or you hope that New England brings in uh, solid talent, but for whatever reason, they haven't really been able to fill out their depth in recent years.
0: Yeah, and the thing, the other thing that's worth noting too is was when Toronto made these moves because we, you know, we generally don't see the Revolution very active in December, um, and they brought in three starters, more Beta Shore, Will Johnson, all came in mid-December. And when, when's the last time we've seen the Revolution make a, a signing that has any sort of impact in December? It just it doesn't seem like. It seems like we always see the Revolution scrambling to fill out their roster, um, in, in late February or, or March. So you know that and even Clint Irwin came in on January 18th. So all of these guys were pretty much there for the start of Toronto's preseason and, and gave them the ability to have a full preseason together and and you know start off the season with with some chemistry. So that's that too is, is something of interest there. Uh, on the other side, we see a Seattle team that has always been a very good team, but has never quite made it to uh, MLS Cup. Um, and this year, I, I think of all the years, is the year they'd probably be least likely to do it because you know they lose. Obafemi Martins before the season starts to, to China, right before the season starts, and they don't really replace him. And it puts a lot of pressure on a guy like Jordan Morris as a rookie to, to step in and, and do that scoring. And then midseason, they lose Clint Dempsey to their regular heartbeat um, and, and haven't had him since then. Uh, and then they have the coaching change with, with Siggy Schmidt getting let go and, and Brian Schmetzer taking over. So it, it's been a, a team with a lot of changes, and a lot of upheaval, and at times this year, it didn't even look like they were going to make the playoffs. Um, so it, it's, it's interesting to see that turnaround that they made um, and very impressive run towards the end of the season because t- to me, with what's happened to them this year, if you told me what was going to happen, I-, I never would have seen the Seattle team going as far as they did, especially in what's usually a very difficult Western Conference. Yeah,
1: it's funny. It's funny, Sean, because this team that this Seattle team kind of reminds me of the O2 Revs, where they had the coaching seat, they had the coaching change mid season. They had they had the, uh, the 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 rookie phenom, you know, with with Taylor Twellman, and You had you know guys that you know at the beginning of the season were count were being were supposed to uh, we're supposed to we supposed to steer this team towards towards success that just didn't pan out um, and it's I, I see a lot of similarities and I think they're really riding the momentum that they gained you know mid to late season and just have continued to do so similar to the O two revs so um you know it's it's really interesting to see how they're getting it done considering. All the moves had mentioned with them, with them, le- with them losing Ofeanyi uh, Martins, and with them, uh, with the mid-season firing of uh, Ziggy Schmidt, and uh, and really all the things that have gone on in Seattle this year. Um, so, I mean, granted, they made a huge move to get Ladero. Ladero was phenomenal for them. Um, one of those, one of those absolute hits when it comes to uh, bringing in a mid-season, bringing in a player mid-season. Um, and there was a really interesting article. I forgot who had the article, but just. The perfect fit that Ladero was for them, um, where he like watched MLS games, like he researched like what Seattle was like. I mean, that's really like the dream signing um, for any for any MLS team. And for him to come into a situation in Seattle and uh, and really kind of like spur them forward alongside with uh, with Jordan Morris, I mean, was kind of like a perfect storm for them for them to uh, for them to uh, to to use that momentum and get and reach MLS Cup, and reach the final this uh, this Saturday's final. Poor Ziggy Schmidt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, the Seattle,
2: though, just goes to show, and it's like this with all sports, you know, if you find your, uh, if you get momentum and you guys click at the right time, uh, a hot team is a dangerous team in the playoffs. And it is kind of funny that this is the year Seattle makes to the MLS Cup, but um, they're hot right now, and as you said, Ladero's been a great fit in Seattle and kind of turned that season around, so... Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I'm predicting Seattle will win now. I was originally, I mean, I, I know I flip-flopped the last second. I
0: guess I haven't been watching the MLS this season, but I think, I think they're gonna do it as of five minutes ago. Yeah, you talk about Ladero. You can't understate the impact that he's had on this team. What a midseason signing. Like I've said many times, it's, it's unusual for midseason signings to have that big of an impact. We We saw it with Jermaine Jones. Uh, and now we saw with Nicolas Ladero. He's been absolutely phenomenal for this team. A guy that is only 27 years old and has 50 caps for Uruguay, which is a fantastic national team. Um, and honestly, you know, they, they, they paid a $6 million transfer fee for him. Um, but his salary, I believe, is less than $2 million a year. So they're not paying that much for him considering the talent. Uh, and it's, it's, it's really impressive that they managed to go out there and make this move. And, and the impact that he's had has been well worth it. Um, Seattle is just an organization that seems like they do everything right, uh, and they're another team that goes out there and, and makes those complimentary signings and finds ways to to bring in you know cheaper players to to help their team. Uh, on top of that, you know even even guys like Hercules Gomez, veterans that they can bring in and help off the bench. Um, and, and like like Greg was saying earlier, with with a team like Toronto, you have those big names, and it's a, it's a team that you know guys might want to come to. And Seattle certainly, with their amazing atmosphere and the you know, the interest, the ownership has shown in that team. It seems like that makes them, you know, a, a team to, to make it easier to attract a guy like a Hercules Gomez who, you know, maybe is towards the end of his career and is not going to be a starter, but can contribute something off the bench. Um, so I think there definitely is something to that. Uh, and, and to see what Seattle did this year, given all the adversity they face, is, is really amazing. Um, and I, I, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Brian, as far as what, what Greg was saying, but I think that applies to Seattle too. It's, it's, it's an appealing team for, for guys like a Hercules Gomez and, and guys like a, maybe a Drew Moore that you know, went to Toronto, those two teams have things that you know, are quite appealing that maybe the Revolution don't have.
1: Yeah, I think, it, I think it all just goes back to the culture. I mean, like, you go to, like, you look at Toronto, even when they were struggling, there was always that culture that this was a team that had ambition. This was a team that wanted to, wanted, really wanted to go places, and it was obvious by the signings they were made. And granted, those first few years, a lot of those signing, signings were flops, but they 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 didn't they didn't waver in that in that belief. They didn't waver in their ambition to want out to go out and want to go get quality established players, whether it's overseas or within the league. And and you know it's finally and it's paying dividends. And the same thing goes for Seattle. Seattle since day one, so much to Toronto, has always has never apologized for wanting to go out and, and get big name players. And I think that just speaks to the culture. It speaks to the culture within the club that. Anything less, you know, they're they're not going to settle for 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 being a small a, a quote unquote small market team and in trying to um, win, a, you know, get to the play get to the playoffs every year and be a contender. No, they want championships. That's that's the standard. I feel like um, the standard for for at least from our from our perspective, it seems like you know more than not. Do the revs say they want to win a championship? Of course they do. But is that belief? Is that belief? you know, obvious to other teams and to, I mean, to other players and to, um, and even within the, even within, uh, you know, Gillette stadium, is it obvious that this team is not only do they believe it, but they're capable of doing it. Um, and I think it really, like I said, it all goes back to the culture, the culture in Seattle and Toronto are very similar. The ambition is, 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 a championship. They, uh, and it's not just making the playoffs. It's not just, you know, we're going to build. No, they want to win a championship, and it's obvious, and that's made obvious, not to not only within themselves, but across the entire league, that they're going to go out and they're going to spend. And when you're a free agent in MLS or you're a veteran player in MLS, and you see that those, those teams want to do that, you want to be a part of that. I mean, any, any competitive athlete wants to be a part of a winning culture, and, you know, I think it's pretty obvious that, uh, th- that those cultures exist in Seattle and Toronto.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that, as you said, perception or or whatever it is, is is missing here. Um, and I I don't know about you guys, but I'm really excited to watch this MLS cup between these two teams, two of the more, more exciting teams this year. We, uh, a balmy 30 degrees high in in Toronto (laughs) on Saturday. So that'll, that'll make it interesting. Possibility of snow flurries. So we we might have our first, I believe this would be the first MLS cup with snow if that were to happen, which would be, which which would make for some extra excitement. (laughs) Wasn't there an MLS Cup in 2010
2: it was in Toronto too, right? And it was a cold and miserable game. I think who won it that year? The Rapids. The Colorado, right? I think yeah, Connor yeah. Casey was on that team. And he scored yeah. the game winner or something like that. I remember. I remember watching it and being cold just watching the game. So.
0: Yeah, that's and that was back in November 21st. So we got another like three extra weeks uh, and <laughs> for for this one to make the weather even worse. So that'll be that'll be something to watch. Um, I do want to wrap things up, but before I do, I know it's a little bit old news now, but I'm curious what everyone's thoughts were on uh, Jürgen Klinsmann uh, being let go and Bruce Arena as his replacement. Um, uh, Greg, what, what were your thoughts on, on that move with the national team?
2: Uh, I mean, we could do a whole episode we, we on We could. This. Let's, let's keep it short. Let's uh, keep it short. Uh, quick, quick thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be as abrupt as I can be, but uh, I think it was the right move. I think in terms of Klinsmann, you have a long break until the next qualifying games. Um, I think he made a lot of questionable moves, and I I think he lost the locker room. Um, I really don't think there's any real reason to keep him on. Um, I actually have one friend who, Sean, you know him too, that actually defended Klinsman, and he's the only person I saw that could defend him. Uh, I think he just lost the locker room, and and when you get bad results, and and it just was going downhill real fast. And, um, you know, is Bruce Arena a perfect coach? no is he the perfect replacement? No, but uh, I think he's going to take over this world cup cycle. Um, I think it kind of, the stars kind of fell in line too, because I think LA might need a, I don't want to say rebuild, but they might be entering kind of a new era. Um, And so I think Bruce Arena for him, it was a good time to leave LA. And um, I think really it was kind of a, the right fit right now Um, beyond 2018. I'm not sure who the United States are going to have coaching that team, but uh, for the short term, I think
1: clinsman had to go i was I was very much one of those people that you know wanted wanted to see Klinsman not so much keep him keep him in tow for the cycle but i always i 'm always a little iffy about letting letting managers go mid cycle um especially with you know the world cup i mean especially with the World Cup less than two years away so um you know initially this now this was my thinking before that Costa Rica game. Um, I think I think I would have been in favor of keeping him. However, after that Costa Rica game, it was pretty obvious, like you had said, Greg, he had lost the locker room. There was absolutely no fight in that game. I think that was that was that was the Klinsman era hitting rock bottom. And I mean, if that's going to happen in a World Cup qualifier, and if that's going to happen um, where there's just no, fight, it's one thing to lose for nothing, and you know you see the players giving it. They're all the players just look absolutely they they had given up in that game, and I think. That that totally speaks to the speaks to a manager's ability to motivate a team, and when that's when that's happening um, in, in a meaningful game, I don't think he ever really, and I, I don't think he really gave um, Sunil, Sunil Galati any chance, any, any any other decision but to let him go. And I think I think Bruce Arena is the perfect band aid for what ails them right now. Um, but like like you had said, Greg, I don't think he's a long term solution. I don't think they keep him. Beyond 2018, I think um, I think he buys them two years. I think he buys them two years before they yeah. really have to make a real decision about who their who their national team is after Russia.
2: Yeah, is,
1: and oh, okay, so, I just
2: want to get one more word, which is that you know you talk about how close it is to the World Cup. I, I think um, you know I, I think if you don't make this move now, you can't make it any closer to the World Cup. And I think that's that really turned up the pressure. I, I think you're still 18 months away. Um, you're still a year and a half away from the World Cup. Um, I, I think this was the only time you could really fire Klinsman. Um, I think if you wait any longer, you're really risking
0: throwing a new guy into the fire when it's a little bit too late. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Greg on that. And that's, I think that's the key point. Um, it, was, it was either now or never. You had an opportunity here. We have several months. The next World Cup qualifier, I believe, it was not until March. Um, so they have the January camp, and this is your one chance where you can bring a new coach in, and you're not going to instantly throw him right into the fire. Um, and and it, like Brian had said, it, it really seemed like after the Costa Rica game that Klinsman had lost this locker room. There were times over the years where it seemed like maybe he had and maybe he got it back. But I don't think there was any getting it back this time. So uh, I, I think it was the right move to get rid of him. I think Bruce Arena, I think you needed to bring somebody in with a lot of experience. Bruce Arena is obviously a guy with a lot of experience. If you're bringing someone in the start of a cycle, you can be, you know, a bit more experimental. I, you know, I heard some names thrown out there like Peter Vermisa or Oscar Pereja. Um, those aren't bad names, uh, as far as 2018, but I think for now you need someone to steady the ship that's been there before. And, and Bruce Arena is that guy. I don't know if I see him past 2018 or want to see him past 2018, um, unless he goes on some incredible run in the World Cup and, and shocks everybody. Um, but t- to me it makes sense to bring in him as that steady hand that, that's done this before. And I, I, I have no doubt that, uh, Bruce Arena is going to get this team to the World Cup. I don't know, you know, what they're going to do when they get there. Um, but I feel more confident in them doing something when they get there under Bruce Arena than, than under Jurgen Klinsman at this point. Uh, so that'll, <laughs> it'll be interesting to watch the, the next 18 months and how that plays out. But, uh, it, it's, Jurgen Klinsman had his chance and it seemed like the team was regressing rather than get, getting better. Uh, I forget who posted it, but somebody posted the, um, the, the, the ratings for the U.S. national team. Um, not the FIFA rankings, the, I'm blanking on the name of the other kind of rankings that are out there.
2: Yeah. Five thirty-eight. Are you talking about the one I sent you?
0: Yeah, yeah, the five thirty-eight one. Yeah, five thirty-eight. Sent no. it a ranking system. I don't know
2: what it's called either, but and it showed that they really haven't progressed any further than they did under
0: any any other coach, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they've had they've had their peaks and their values with Klinsman. and it seems like they're they uh, you know any progress they've made they take you know two steps forward, two step backwards. Um, so it's it's just you know it was time for a change, and Bruce Arena is a guy that I think we all have the the faith and, uh, that he'll, he'll get them there. Um, but en- enough about the U.S. There's an exciting MLS Cup game coming up on Saturday that I'm looking forward to. Uh, that game again is at 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern time on Fox. And then the expansion drafts is on Tuesday, uh, the 13th. So if there's, if there's enough uh, action by the revolution over the next few weeks we'll, we'll have to do another one of these podcasts and discuss any moves they've made um, but, but as we were saying they haven't done too many moves in December so I'm not, I'm not too hopeful there'll be too much revolution news to talk about uh, in the next few weeks so I'm not sure when we'll do the next one but thanks again Brian for, for joining us and Greg for joining us as well uh, can you guys give out your Twitter where people can follow you?
1: Yep. My handle is uh, BrianOConnell21 and uh, I haven't been tweeting as much lately but I, uh, but I aim to, uh, to change that and I am g Johnstone twelve
2: um and I haven't been tweeting a lot mostly mostly it's been a lot of retweets about uh baseball and <laughs> Simpsons references, but when the MLs season comes along, it'll be more soccer
0: oriented yeah and i I fall into the same category of I think all of us have been lacking in the in the tweet department lately but I'm Sean L. Donahue and then you can also follow us at any Soccer Today, which which also needs to be updated more often but thanks again for, for listening to us uh, uh, if you can leave a review on, on iTunes and feel free to email us any comments at AnySoccerToday at gmail.com and hopefully there will be some, some revenues that will prompt us to be back soon thanks Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6.
1: Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger.